your seats and someone can get the lights. Interesting when one um, wants to read the real thing on prayer and get the real insights on it, then the books you read often look like this. Um, isn't that so? Um, and so I think there's a lot to be said for our hurried, rushed culture that um, makes it difficult for us to engage the riches that is to be found in God, in prayer, in the disciplines. We hope that tonight would stir something in your heart. Um, I will be sharing a little bit, or reading, I should say. And uh, then Stefani will also share with us. Stefani is the leader of our intercession. And I assure you, she prays um, quite a bit more than I do. Um, we're looking forward to hearing from her and to receive impartation. When you're in the presence of someone who carries something, who walks in something, and you don't only receive the words they speak in your mind, but you receive an importation into your heart. Because when you disciple people, they don't become what you say, they should, they become who you are. So um, we're looking forward to receiving from Stefani in that way as well. I want to intro us by reading from one of these old books. You can get a newer version of this one as well, Celebration of Discipline. Um, I know we've got a lot of fans of the book in the house. But I'm definitely one of them. It's one of those books that's always close by. Um, I'm going to read to us. It's about an eight-minute read. Um, and after that, I'll share for about two minutes a specific principle, and then I'm handing over to Stefani. But when I read this, I thought, well, I could try to take out the principles um, from you and then try to preach it or teach it, but I think... I think Richard Foster does it a bit better. So I'm going to do something unusual and read it for you. Is that fine? I want you to focus. Okay. You'll have to focus. Because I'm going to read it for you. It's also old school kind of a thing, hey? To read something for you. Stefani will be better later. She's got a video. It's also rather an old, old thing that she's going to show. But let's stick with the old for now and... Let every heart be silenced. Let every heart receive. The Discipline of Prayer, Chapter 3. Prayer catapults us onto the frontier of the spiritual life. It is original research in unexplored territory. Meditation introduces us to the inner life. And fasting is an accompanying means, but it is the discipline of prayer itself that brings us into the deepest and highest work of the human spirit. Real prayer is life-creating and life-changing. Real prayer, secret, fervent, believing prayer, lies at the root of all personal godliness, writes William Carey. To pray is to change. Prayer is the central avenue God uses to transform us. 
if we are unwilling to change, we will abandon prayer as a noticeable characteristic of our lives. The closer we come to the heartbeat of God, the more we see our need and the more we desire to be conformed to Christ. William Blake tells us that our task in life is to learn to bear God's beams of love. How often we fashion cloaks of evasion, beam-proof shelters, in order to elude our eternal lover. But when we pray, God slowly and graciously reveals to us our hiding places and sets us free from them. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own pleasure. To ask rightly involves transformed passions, total renewal. In prayer, real prayer, we begin to think God's thoughts after him, to desire the things he desires, to love the things he loves. Progressively, we are taught to see things from his point of view. And all who have walked with God have viewed prayer as the main business of their lives. In the words of, the, of Mark, Mark 1 verse 35, And in the morning, a great while before the day, Jesus rose and went out to a lonely place, and there he prayed. This stands as a commentary on the lifestyle of Jesus. King David's desire for God broke the self-indulgent change of sleep. Early I will seek thee, Psalm 63. When the apostles were tempted to invest their energies in other important and necessary tasks, they determined to give themselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word, Acts chapter 4. Martin Luther declared, I have so much business, I cannot get on without spending three hours daily in prayer. He held it as a spiritual axiom that he that has prayed well has also studied well. John Wesley said, God does nothing but in answer to prayer. And backed up his conviction by devoting two hours to that daily sacred exercise. The most notable feature of David Brainerd's life was his praying. His journal is permeated with accounts of prayer, fasting, and meditation. I love to be alone in my cottage where I can spend much time in prayer. I set apart this day for secret fasting and prayer to God. For those explorers in the frontiers of faith, prayer was no little habit tacked into the periphery of their lives. It was their lives. It was the most serious work of their most productive years. William Penn testifies of George Fox that above all he excelled in prayer and the most awful, living, reverent face I've ever felt or beheld, I must say, was his while he was praying. Adoniram Judson sought to withdraw from business and company seven times a day in order to engage in the holy work of prayer. He began at midnight then again at dawn, then at nine, twelve, three, six, and nine at night. He would give time to secret prayer. John Hyde of India made prayer such a dominant characteristic of his life, he was nicknamed Praying Hyde. For these and all those who have braved the depths of the interior life, to breathe was to pray. Many of us, however, are discouraged rather than challenged by such examples. 
those giants of the faith are so far beyond anything we've experienced that we are tempted to despair. But rather than flagellating ourselves for our obvious lack, we should remember that God always meets us where we are and slowly moves us along into deeper things. Occasional joggers do not suddenly enter the Olympic marathon. They prepare and train themselves over a period of time, and so should we. When such a progression is followed, We can begin to pray with greater authority and spiritual success a year from now than at the moment. It is easy for us to be defeated at the outset because we have been taught that everything in the universe is already set. And so things cannot be changed. Listen to this. We may gloomily feel this way, but the Bible does not teach that. The Bible prayers pray it as if their prayers could and would make an objective difference. The Apostle Paul gladly announced that we are collaborators with God. That is, we are working with God to determine the outcome of events. It is stoicism that demands a closed universe, not the Bible. With many of their emphasis on acquiescence and resignation to the way things are as the will of God, it's actually closer to Epictetus than to Christ. Moses was bold to pray because he believed he could change things, even God's mind. In fact, the Bible stresses so forcefully the openness of our universe that in an anthropomorphism hard for modern ears, it speaks of God constantly changing his mind in accord with his unchanging love. Exodus 32, Jonah chapter 3. That comes as a genuine liberation to many of us. But it also sets tremendous responsibility before us. We are working with God to determine the future. We're working with God to determine the future. Certain things will happen in history if we pray rightly. We are to change the world by prayer. What more motivation do we need to learn this loftiest human exercise? Encouraged to pray? Me also. And then Andrew Murray is one of the best writers on the topic of prayer, if you're looking to grow in it. Andrew Murray writes a similar book, or he writes in similar fashion and and convicts the heart of the desire to pray and to grow in this. And right at this moment where we say, oh, I desire that. In my spirit, I desire this. I'm going to try again. I'm going to make an effort. At that exact point, Andrew Murray says, are you going to try again? Harder this time? With a better strategy? With more accountability? You're going to fail again. And again. Without being morbid, I learned from him that 
what you do when you realize something that you're realizing right now is you do not work out a strategy at all. You go to God right now and say, God, I desire to be changed by you because I desire to have this. Would you please grant it to me? That's what you do. Would you like to do that with the person next to you right now? Let's quickly pray. And then I'll wrap up and hand over to Stefani. Only a quick 30-second prayer, it's eh? Not sharing and, and everything. Amen. So this doesn't only apply to a good principle for life. It gets you out of, out of striving to change and asking God to change. And then, then you can attempt a strategy. Then you act in faith because you asked God and you're excited to see what's going to happen. But you must be ready and open for terrible failure. You must be. And like Brother Lawrence, they said whenever he sinned or fell short, he, he, he told God when, he, when he, he, was in, he was with God regularly. That's, that's his story. You can go read it. But whenever he would find himself lacking in any way, he would turn to God joyously and say, Oh God, if you would leave me to my own devices, I would never do otherwise. And then he would joyfully continue, knowing he's forgiven and knowing God's the only one who can change him. And if God never does, he's still free. And so you remain free in terrible failure. If you can't, you're under Moses. Don't be under Moses. Our God changes us. That's, that's the promise of the Holy Spirit. And then when you found terrible failure and you smile at it, and you say, oh God, don't leave me like this. You run back to point number one. I just ran back to point number one again. It comes to prayer. And then I want you to enjoy the small victories rather than to always want more. Rather than to say, oh, I'm not yet at three hours a day, so. Just enjoy when you've, had, when you've had an awesome moment with God, just enjoy it. Okay. You're free. That's a very good progression that I've, that I've learned. Um, and now I'm going to hand over to Stefani. Can we put our hands together for Stefani again? Afrikaans, I can't read that. Okay. Thank you. Hello, Jelle. Um, I don't know how you 
Scheiße. Das ist Mann. Um, ja, so I'm Stefani. Most of you know me anyway. Um, when I when I thought of, of, spoke about the spiritual gifts, I thought that was that was a lot. Then I got to prayer, and I'm like, oh, you know, and I have not 20 minutes <laughs> to talk about prayer, which is so vast and so. The more I pray, the more I realize how vast it is and how deep it is and how wide it is. Um, Richard Foster also says in his book, like, you can't describe it in one chapter. And you also get different facets of prayer. So, yeah, we get um, intercession, we get repentance, we get warfare prayers, we get confession, we get um, waiting on God, silence prayers. We get lots of different styles of prayers and all of that. So tonight, I'm just going to focus on personal prayer. So that's you and God, and it's about you and Him. And that's it. It's not about your family or anyone necessarily even beyond that, but it can be. Um, you know, I, it was really difficult to try and narrow it down <laughs> of what I want to speak about. Because uh, driving this morning as well, I was just thinking, um, one of the first things I learned from the lady that discipled me was it was eternal life is to get to know God. Um, and she actually said, we're going to need eternal life to get to know God because that's just how vast he is. Um, but that is what, but that's just a teeny part of also about prayer. And prayer is just so many things. But okay, I'm going to try and narrow it. I have three points. And I actually have a, when I started to prepare for this, I, 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 I came across this not ponder on. I pondered on it as well, but I came across this hymn um, that just sums up why we need to pray, and it refreshes again why it's so precious, and, and to whom we actually pray. So I'm quickly going to read the, the hymn for us. I'm following in Matthew's footsteps here with the hymns, um, but ooh, these mm, hymns is good for us. Okay, let us write hymns. <laughs> um, okay, then there is an I that never sleeps beneath the wing of night. There is an ear that never shuts when sink the beams of light. There is an arm that never tires when human strength gives way. There is a love that never fails when earthly loves decay. But there's a power which man can wield when mortal aid is vain. That eye, that arm, that love to reach, that listening ear to gain. That power is prayer, which soars on high through Jesus to the throne and move the hand which moves the world to bring salvation down. Amen. And that is what prayer is. And this should encourage us. There's an eye that sees. There's an ear that hears. There's a love that is forever faithful that should draw us to just go and sit with him and say, would you listen? Would you, would you see? Can I see? Can I listen? Um, For me, that's just the essence. We'll refer back to this to this hymn. We can go on. Um, so probably apart from reading the word, the prayer is for me the most important discipline, although it's the one we, we lack in, unfortunately, very much. But if we, um, if we pray, as Paul encourages us, do everything by prayer. If we can keep this discipline, then as Debbie also said, it really changes us. And it causes us to live as eternal beings um, because of prayer have, having us access that eternity. So prayer helps us to live as eternal beings in a fallen world. And that's, 
if you can see the contrast that it's, there's no other way to live in a fallen world and remain, keep your faith, there's no other way than, than keeping that, that line. That. So the, in 1 Corinthians 15, you can go and read it. We're not going to have time for every scripture that I have on here or even everything that I wanted to read. Um, but 1 Corinthians 13 just quickly explains the first man, Adam, and then in the flesh, but then also Jesus, who was now the second man, and then in the spirit. So it's almost like we also born into sin. We won't go into the theology of um, man is inherently bad, but we are born into sin. We are in all good. We are in this world. But then when we choose Christ, we, we almost go into a new kingdom. We go into a new, we inherit now. We change the mortal for the immortal. And with that change, prayer helps us like, you won't, we won't believe, we won't understand, um, but we get to understand and we get to learn a bit by praying. So just three things I'm going to quickly, not too quickly, hopefully, (laughs) um, talk about tonight would be, is there more time or do I? (laughs) So prayer grasps eternity, that would be my first point. Um, Prayer is relational. And then the third one, is prayer triumphs self-help or self-sufficiency, which is also something that came out on Sunday. And I think this is one that God really wants us to to stop. He, he, a few weeks ago, draw me to a stop. Um, but let's go on that eternal note, eternal beings in a physical world. Let's go into um, prayer grasp eternity. So when we pray, as I said, we become aware. So in prayer, when you let your spirit connect. You become aware of a world that and a, and a life that is outside. You become aware of the eternal life, uh, eternal God that's yeah, beyond the physical. And a, a very cool scripture for me is David in Psalm 73. Then he, um, he has this whole list of how he's describing the wicked and the rich and they're proud and they're prospering and they have all this money. And, and he's actually... He's, He's, he's telling God that he's now envious because why does the rich man now prosper so much? And then, and then he had this moment where he entered the, <clears throat> the Bible says the sanctuary or the courts of heaven, and then he says, David said, and then I understood. So when we see God, stuff that doesn't make sense with our physical eyes in this world, it starts to make sense to us, or we see, we see differently, and that's why we need prayer because it's. We get to see differently. Um, but to remember, there's always a choice between this sanctuary and this courts and life. As we know it, very busy. We watch our Netflix. We go and eat out with our friends. That's our life. And then there's a place where Stephanie recently, that uh, I don't know how to say a surname. What is it? Great singer. I don't know. The one who sings. She has this... Um, this little clip that she sh- or they shared about her, there's actually a longer one. And she, when she had her um, baby, then one evening or late at night, she felt God draw her and said, come and sit now with me. And she had, in that moment, she had a moment where she could now either choose that or go on with or go to bed or do whatever. So you have that moment where you feel God is drawing you or you have this nudge in your heart pray now, or come to me, or sit with me, and then there's a choice, and we 
the more we override that choice, the harder it becomes for us to just, but it's always very easy to just say, God, here I am. Let me come in um, because of Christ. But it's always a choice to, so, to remember that. And the thing that Debbie said, it's the moment you start to jog in the rain, you don't want to do it. But when you're jogging and when you're done, it feels good. So it's always that, okay, I have to give up stuff now to choose this one. It's not nice, no, no, no. But do it because in the walking, you'll find it very special. Okay, then, like I said, so seeing him, like David saw him, that gives us revelation. That changes our hearts. If you see him, um, I actually quickly wanted us to do an exercise, but it's just you by yourself. You can close your eyes. The lady that discipled me on, in university, the first thing she taught me, she was quite an intercessor, was to take a scripture and then just sit with God and, and see it. But the scripture she gave me was Revelations 4, where God is sitting on the throne, angels are worshiping, elders are falling down. Um, so it's that imagery. And she said, allow yourself to be there, to see, see the light, what do you, and, and become quiet. That, and I think what that helps us, if we go to a scripture, if we struggle to get our minds to just behold him, it's difficult, we can't see him, we don't know, then to go to a scripture, whichever one it could be. So I want us now to just quickly close our eyes, and remember this is through the Spirit, so it's not your own, the Holy Spirit helps us to, to see and reveals so I'll quickly read for us just Revelations 19, um, where we see Christ. So just close your eyes and thank you, Holy Spirit, um, yeah, that you revealed to us what we need to see. Um, now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with the rod and iron. He himself treads the winepress and the fierceness and the wrath of the Almighty God, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. Amen. You can open up again. So, I mean, you can spend hours on just that, to let... What does it mean, Lord, that you're faithful, that you're true? Does he didn't that? Why is your robe dipped in blood? <laughs> what, what is it for me? Is it for uh, what? Is, why is there army of people dressed in white behind you? Why are you on a white horse? Show me the. The moment you see, really see that things, and your spirit engages with that. For me, the 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 time I pondered on this, there was something where I realized that um, Christ. Um, that Christ is is the victorious one. When he was riding on that, I remember once in deliverance as well, the moment I started to pray, something in my spirit was like, you've, you've seen this. 
you can put the two together. When I said that he's the king of kings, when it came out of my mouth, it's almost like my spirit had revelation of that beforehand. But, but we get to access this and then live from it. Because it changes us. When you see that Christ is victorious, that changes us. So we can go to the next one. I think most of us know this, um, that prayer is connection and it's communion. So we, in prayer, we want to connect with God and we want to commune with him. When it, we're, and in, in this, we, we're talking to a God that moves, he speaks, he's living, he's breathing, he, sh- he shows us stuff um, compared to now. Um, you know, as we, these scriptures are very powerful. If you can stand still and you, you can realize that it's God who changes a heart from stone to flesh. It's him who does it. And David actually encourages us, our hearts are so inclined to go the other way. And it's only God. It's a prayer like, God, incline my heart to your ways. Because otherwise, I just want to go this way. And, and it's God who does that. It's God who does the inclining. It's God who changes us. But for that, we need to commune and connect with him. Compared to idols which can't speak, can't save, don't do anything for us. Like all the idols we have in our lives. But they help us nothing. Okay, prayer is communication, as I said, to remember that. So prayer is uh, speaking to God, a hearing God. There's communication just like you would communicate with a friend or a, a loved one. Now, um, to remember that the Garden of Eden was the Father's intention so that he wants to be with us. He wants to talk to us. He wants to walk next to us. He wants to be close to us. That was his intent. It still is intent. And prayer accesses that. Prayer brings that close. Um, or just sometimes ignite that. That through the day we can know he's with us. Um, this, the next point is just very powerful for me. That prophets and angels desire to hear and to see. And they hope to, to see and to hear what we get to see and hear today. And it's because of Christ. So through Christ, we get to enter the veil. Um, so I realized in this week that, that by praying, by coming to the throne, by just addressing God, I'm honoring what Christ did. I'm saying, you made the way. You tore the veil. Um, so that we honor Christ in that way when we pray, actually. We're just we're, we're taking hold. Like, what is that one song that says, um, let the rewards of your suffering um, let you receive the rewards of your suffering. Christ died for something. And, and this is one of the things he died for, so that we can come close, so that we can... Um, and then I have this very cool Wumi eye on deck, but he's already passed on. But if you need your faith stirred, or you don't pray, you don't read your Bible, you're struggling. Um, in the beginning, I actually wanted to say, so I'm going to myself here in the Rieda, but you are all invited to please join us on a, on a Tuesday morning or a Sunday. Um, really, intercession is a place where I, where my faith is built in ways that it wouldn't have been, and to remember that intercession is just part of doing church, following Christ, and it's not, oh, I have to now put an hour out on my already so busy life. It's not that at all. It doesn't even have to do with that. It's about... <laughs> our faith being built and our hearts being changed and us growing. And I, you know, I can't even tell you the, the, what I've learned in my, um, 
my tenure since I've started just to join in the session. What is done to my personal faith, my personal prayer life. But back to Richard Wurmbrand now. So if you want to go and watch this documentaries about him, he was captured by the communists in Romania. And he, Aubrey knows them, it seems. And he was then, <laughs> he was then um, a good, good foundation of Aubrey for us as well. Um, so he was then kept in for years in solitary confinement, but actually 12 meters underneath the ground. No windows, no light, and they tortured, they were getting tortured and brainwashed daily. So one of his, uh, the stories he tells, so these things just stir my faith like anything. But, because their faith is just so real. Their walk was so real. It cost them something. So when they come out of it, like him, we get to, he actually started the ministry, I think, Tortured for Christ. Or You can actually go to the next, sorry. Um, there it would help me. The Voice of the Martyrs. That's the ministry. But um, there you can see how we, I mean, to have that marks on your body, uh, yeah, you must have been hit with something quite. But him and his wife, um, he, he had this one part where he, he said that he used to, in the cell, he used to pray the scriptures, because that's all you have. You didn't have a Bible, you didn't have a pen, you had nothing. So he prayed scriptures, but then they started to brainwash them. And he could only pray, Jesus, I love you, at a stage, because they couldn't remember scriptures anymore. And, and he was now a, um, a Lutheran pastor or something, I think, yeah. Then he could only pray, Jesus, I love you. And later on, he, he got so brainwashed, he could only say one word, so he only said Jesus. And then later it got so bad that he couldn't speak at all because of the brainwashing. But his bra- he was able to access through his thoughts to direct them onto Jesus. And, uh, yeah, that is for me. So then he couldn't even say it, but he said his heartbeat could tell Jesus that I'm thinking of you and I love you, Jesus. So that... That to me, and then when I went to go and read the definition of prayer, I was just like, Richard had it, he had it, he understood what prayer is. Because prayer, the definition in the Marian and Miriam Webster says that prayer is, so you address the God you worship or the God you worship through words and thought. And I was just like, I, I actually never th- knew that, that, um, thinking of God is also praying. <laughs> so if you could direct your thoughts towards him, that is also a form of, of prayer and connecting with him. Oh, you know, no, I don't know. I'm Okay. But you can please go and watch some of the, it would really stir your faith to just. So that's Richard Burmrand for us. So you can think and you can connect with God through, through words. That is what prayer is. Third point, Matthew helped us greatly in laying a, a very good foundation for this, that um, yeah, self-sufficiency, and that prayer counters that. And this is something I recently had to, had to face. I'll get to the hard part now. But um, I think I quickly touched on it when I did the 1 Corinthians, the first man and then the second man. So A.W. Tozer has a sermon where he, he actually speaks about prayer, but then he goes on to um, he goes on to explain that in former state and then there's a latter state. And prayer connects us when we're in our latter state to, to almost access a kingdom that's now new. We were almost born into a kingdom of man, but then prayer is our aid 
when we access the when we now transition into the kingdom of um, of of Jesus. So here we just see self-sufficiency. There's just many. And it's not that these things are wrong, like 10 ways to do this and how to love your wife better and how to raise your kids. It's not that these things are bad. Um, they just We're in a culture, unfortunately, that is all the more getting how to help yourself, how to achieve success, how to be the best you, all, all of that, almost like you must be strong. Are you successful? Do you bear the image? It's, and with Christ, it's not, it's actually... Me, I give you grace, I give you life, I give you light, I give you peace. That's our testimony, that's our faith. And Matthew actually very beautifully put it also that um, in striving for, for almost like providing for ourselves, we kill faith. Self-sufficiency kills faith. And we need to see it like that. And also that prayer and faith goes like this. So if you kill faith, you're going to kill prayer. And if you kill prayer, you're going to kill faith. And self-sufficiency kills both of those very much. And because prayer, prayer, what it does, like that poem, it says, God, I need you. God, you hear. God, you move. That's not me. It's not my, I need your grace. I need your um, strength. And as we saw, prayer changes us. So we all need that, that change, that transformation. And that's what prayer does. Um, so then just, yeah, prayer helps us to see that it, it really isn't in ourselves <laughs> to help ourselves. For that, we really have a far greater God. As Matt also mentioned that it's not our anxiety that triggers God's provision. It's God's love. So God is, and he has things he gives, but it's not us that, that brings that forth. And through prayer, we lean on his grace and his character. Let's just quickly take a breath here before we go. This is the three points, and then I'll quickly look at how and, and why we struggle. Let's just take a... I wanted to quickly share. So maybe just that we're all awake. <laughs> Don't know. Just maybe stand up quickly and just sit down. <laughs> and then we're, we're in the final, in the final um, running bit. Um. Yeah, I I wanted us to take just a breath to because this is one of the things we have to we have to stop at because um, it ties in with the self sufficiency. Um, but I'll get back to that. There's a I just quickly wanted so if you have in your mind that we're in a culture and you also realize that and you know a culture that's very self sufficient and that you can do it. Someone can do it for you. Your app can do it for you. All of that. We're surrounded by it. We have it in our lives. It's a reality. Then uh, I'm going to read it quickly in Afrikaans. There was this, uh, this funeral of this old elderly man. And what was so beautiful about it is the, the, the state of this, this man, this older man that passed away. So I'm going to read it in Afrikaans because it's just so beautiful in Afrikaans. And then for the English, I'll quickly translate Maar dit sê, wat was die gevolg van die kruis in sy leven? Dit is nou die man wat oorlede is. Ja, so what was the effect of the cross in his life? Het dit om trots of hoogmoedig gemaakt? Nee, dit het om swak gemaakt. Dit het om gebroke gemaakt, afhankelijk, kinderlik, nederig, arm van gees, 
sagmoedig en rein van hart. Sy hart was op een ding gerig. Mag ons ook groei om so swak te word. It's not about sustaining ourselves. It's quite the opposite. Yeah, so what was the effect of the cross in this man's life? Was it to make himself proud? No, it was actually to to sh- yeah, to show that he's weak. And it made him dependent and humble and poor in spirit and um, gentle and pure in heart. And then the encouragement is, may we grow to be that weak. Um, and that puts the emphasis against on God as the strong one. He's the... He's the strength. Oh, you get beautiful people and you get a beautiful God. <laughs> okay. So just, I want us to be careful. We know, all know the saying, don't come to God for his hand, but come for who he is. But I actually want to encourage you, we come for both. Because when we only come for the relational part, we downplay that God provides for us and that he helps. <laughs> so it's both. And, and because he is so vast and so full, he actually does the other part he helps it's who he, it's almost um enfolded in the great i am what he does is in the great i am okay and then we're now really on the last thoughts debia already shared that slide for us so because we had the same book <laughs> um hello donkey um before slide thank you so that your Richard Foster done in her book. So just a point, real prayer is something we learn. So the disciples asked to be taught, I'm still learning and I have a, a inclination or a, a thought that I'm going to continue to learn how to pray and how to know God until even if I see him. <laughs> um, prayer is something you can start today and you're going to learn. And something very encouraging that he says is if you expect to start now, then you can already expect to, that from a year from now that you will pray with greater authority and with greater success. And that's just one of the simple things is people always, some of the things is they struggle to make their mind become quiet. And I can tell you, the more you're going to pray, the more you're going to realize it's, you become very much stronger in quickly taking your mind captive. It, it, that it just becomes easier. It's almost like driving the first time you got into a car, difficult or now you drive almost like you don't even look or you don't you just drive you're in <laughs> not not like that but <laughs> I mean you don't have to think now oh petrol okay that's what I mean so it's almost like you just quickly uh, Yvette usually tells me you just flip in there quickly <laughs> I just I just take all if there's something that's 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 between me and God I quickly repent I don't even want unless he tells me you now have to repent like for an hour this is something big in your life that is but I quickly just take the distractions away I quickly and then I go for it because now I'm here to to talk to God I'm here to now connect um and again my testimony is that we grow you know before the why it's difficult we grow um and just to think of myself that God gives us authority more and more so the more you pray the more you step out for things the more you pray for people, so there is an authority that he gives, that he then, um, which is quite special. But that's not what we're after, but he does do it. So why it's difficult? Just three things. People struggle because they can't see God. So it's very difficult to talk to someone. You can't see their facial expressions. You can't 
They don't necessarily speak the whole time. So you struggle to stay engaged. That is a real struggle. And with all of these struggles, it's important that you identify them. What do you struggle with? And then to give them to God and to, to tell him, God, I struggle to stay engaged. Would you help me to focus? And then as I said, the scripture help. There's a lot of things that helps. We struggle to become silent. This is also a very real one. So our lives are too busy. We, we have words like this in intercession all the time. The hurriness. Our lives is too busy. Our lives is too full. Okay. But you have that choice now. There's always a choice that is a reality. And, and the truth is it's just going to get a whole lot busier. <laughs> and it's going to get a whole lot ectier. 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 Whatever. Yeah. Our lives are busy, family, job. We don't even have 20 minutes. Then start with five minutes because that five minutes changes our hearts and our lives. Even if it just makes us realize we're not that sufficient, we need them. Um, and the third one, self-sufficiency. Yeah, we, we don't think we need. Actually, uh, when I had to deal with this recently, God actually told me, and we won't say that. We don't say, God, I don't need your mercy. I don't need your guidance. I don't need your love. I don't need, I don't need something from you now. We don't say that. By, by, by not praying, we're actually communicating that. Because that is what prayer also offers. So I, was, I had to almost like sit with God and say, Lord, I, don't, I, I know I don't say this, but I'm sorry that my heart communicates this, that my life communicates this, that I don't need you. I'm sorry. And I had to sit with this one. And and I believe in, in Matthew's sermon that was again just highlighted that we think we can sustain ourselves, but we can't. So how we pray or to who we pray, this is very simple. Most of us know it. It's just sometimes people ask, should I pray to the Holy Spirit, Jesus? Who do I pray to? We pray to the Father in Jesus, so in a position in Christ and through the Holy Spirit. Image you can remember is Jesus opened the doors into the sanctuary. We walk into the throne and the Holy Spirit comes and aids us. He knows the mind of God. He reveals God to us. He reveals Jesus to us. So the Holy Spirit then aids us there. Um, it's almost like through him we pray. But um, yeah. There is moments like in intercession, ach, in deliverance or other places that you actually pray in the name of Jesus, but it's almost, it's in a position, it's in an authority that you come. Um, you can pray if there's now, Jesus, we pray to you now. That's not wrong, the other two. It's just, this is the, to God in Jesus. And Jesus did that. He, that's how he taught us. Father in heaven, Holland, yeah, yeah. Um, what is the next one? So how... And then we'll do a quick practical, and then it will be done. So how we do it, adoration. Um, sometimes I, my only prayer is adoration. I just, I literally stand, and I'm, for 20 minutes or 10 minutes, I can go on and just say, yeah, you're yes, mooi. Yes, rarig mooi. And all the ways. And alles wat die doen is mooi. Even in good that I don't understand. And then I can go on. Like if you would speak to a loved one and you really had to stand and almost like speak to them for 10 minutes just why you adore them. So I can go on and on. And then I don't get even to needs or to anything else. Um, 
praise, thanksgiving. So that's all things we can do. Scripture, like I did now, you go to a scripture. There's actually two ways we can do this. I read recently a very cool book, very old Tani also, Gayon, someone. But she says that in prayer there's two there's two ways you, you, you use scripture, or you can use scripture. So the one would be literally to quiet your mind. So you're not going for information at all. You're just reading so that your mind now stops here, and you become, you, know, you become um, what is it, present here. So you just read. You just read, read, until you feel, oh, now I'm, I'm at a place where I'm with God. Now I go. And then you start praying just. You sort of stop. You don't even know what chapter, what, that doesn't matter. And then there's an intentional praying where you actually want to pray the scripture or you want to engage with that two verses now. Then that's what you focus on and that's what you pray from and that's what you pray into. So there's that two ways that you can use scripture, I want to say, for a focus. And then the other one would be to actually use the scripture. And then if you struggle to connect, then tell that to God. (laughs) Sometimes we, we struggle to engage then just say, Lord, I'm struggling to see you. I can't see, would you, whatever is distracting me, would you help me to lay that down? If, the, if there's sin or something you want to show me that's now, just show it, help me, help me to connect, because he's, he's so faithful. And that in itself is also connection, just realizing or telling him I'm struggling or I feel far. Um, yeah. And that is actually it. Um, now for the practical, just quickly, I have a few scriptures on there. If you want to use them, you don't have to. You can use your own scriptures or you cannot use scripture. You can just close your eyes and imagine. I recently had a, we're very hesitant to say use your imagination now in prayer because people can go on all different routes. But imagination is, I think it's C.S. Lewis that also writes very beautifully about it. And that actually opened me up to God gave us our imagination and that is our spirit's connect with him so to 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 always know that it's the holy that through the holy spirit your imagination goes now you're walking with jesus jesus is present or whoever is present but it's through so you can allow your imagination because it also it's our spirits that needs to connect so jesus isn't going to walk in here physically take valalam now walk out with him he's going to walk with jesus now it's not going to happen physically that that's just Unfortunately, we're still in this world, so that's unfortunately just. But I recently had a very um, special where Jesus came next to me, and we walked down this um, trapikis, and there were two paths, and he started to walk down this path, and I was so excited, and I'm like, yes, Lord, are you, what do you want to show me now? Where are we going? And then Jesus, you could see in his body, he became very relaxed and just started walking very relaxed. And then he said to me, this is going to be quite a walk, so become comfortable. And, and there was no end destination. There was no, but something in me just knew that this would be for a season or a time or a thing, and I would know when I'm in it that I'm just going to have to walk. I'm not going to see anything. It's not going to so God wants to show us that thing so that when we get to it, we're almost like prepared in the spirit, although we're not physically there. And that is me. I hope we are. Sorry, I had to rush through these things. Okay, questions. So you go to scripture. You. So when we do the practical now, some people connect with God outside. They want to walk in a garden. 
or they want pens and they want to write. We only have prayer now, and you have the word. If you have a pen, you can write down. Um, but we're just going to, Nadia's going to worship a bit. After the clip, I'm quickly going to share the clip, and then Nadia would just worship, I think, 10 minutes. Is that okay? 10 minutes? Yeah. I wanted to make it longer, but, but let's do 10 minutes. You can please go home and make it longer. <laughs> or make it five minutes, but make it <laughs> sincere, five minutes. Um, yes, yeah, scriptures, the next one. Thank you. I think that's the last one. So also, it's, it's very important to ask God questions. So sometimes we just bring all this, but there's no connection. <laughs> there's not, we walk out there, it could have been like we went to, to the pharmacy to order something. So don't, we, we want to connect. We don't want to tell God what he must do and then go. So you can ask God any of these questions, or you can ask your own questions. Preferably one, maybe two so, Father, what are you looking to do through me? Maybe there was dreams, visions he spoke over you, and he's wanting you to remind, to remind you of that, or he wants to give you something new. He wants to, you to focus on. You can ask him, God, what are you currently busy with? So something he wants you to see. But remember, this is now you and God. It's, it's not um, necessarily for your... He can speak to you about your marriage or your children or anything, but me, what are you? <laughs> we first need to start there, and from that we... We, we're much stronger praying and going for our families and our, all the others. And then this is a hard one. Tanya Amanda did it with us, and I was, I was so ruined, I couldn't focus on the positive one. <laughs> but this is also necessary. Father, show me what I need to sacrifice, what I need to give, what I need to lay down. Um, maybe it's something you need to repent of, but then... It could be something big, it could be something small, but allow him to, if there's something. Because that thing's it frees us, actually. <laughs> it just frees us. And it, 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 it almost pulls us closer to where, where he actually wants us to be and what he, what he wants us to do. There again, so this slide is going to remain. Okay, after the video. Sorry, we'll quickly look at the video. Um, and then we'll come back to this slide, please, low. Mine, if you want to questions again. Uh, that clip to, to stir our faith and then no dear it's only middle funny clip so long give every flying minute something to keep in store he pushed the dare out in case you don't know there are 24 hours in it they divided into three eights. Normally, you work eight, you sleep eight. What do you do with the other eight? On the same basis, you live 60 years, you work 20, you sleep 20, and what do you do with the other 20? All earthly things with earth will fade away. But prayer grasps eternity. Therefore, pray. Always pray. I've said this often, and it's got me into trouble, but I'm still going to say it anyhow. I'm quite sure of this, that no man, I don't care how large his church, I don't care how many books written his travel, I do not believe that any man or woman is in their presence of this, not hear prayer. He is here. There are many prayers prayed that never reach the throne and they never answered. But never, never, never is prayer of this nature ever denied. Hannah prayed, do I? Be shall she got tired of all the trinkets. 
She got tired of eating and drinking and being happy and uh, sharing the most time with her husband, getting the nicest clothes, all the other things. They came a place where she said, listen, I can't put up with this. You find the same thing in the 30th chapter of Genesis where Rachel comes down one day and says to her husband, listen, Jacob, give me children or I die. Do you remember that passionate phrase in the middle of the 11th chapter of Numbers? And remember, it's dangerous to pray. In that chapter, the people began to reproach God and say, well, we've had nothing like we had in Egypt. We don't get meals like that. We don't get onions like we used to get, meat like we used to get, nothing like that. And God says, all right. You've asked for it. Well, you're going to get it. He says, not for two days, not for ten days, not for two weeks, a whole month. We say sometimes, you know, we had it till it was running out of our ears. Do you know what God says? I'll give you it till it runs out of your nostrils. And Moses, the man of God, says, listen, I've got a murmuring, complaining people. God says, well, they complain more to me than they do to you anyhow. But Moses says, don't leave this burden upon me. If you do, kill me. That's pretty desperate praying, isn't it? Because if you're going to be a preacher or a missionary, if you're not known in hell, well, I don't think you're worth much anyhow. Some demons one day pounced on uh, a preacher. Matter of fact, they beat a few preachers up. And you remember finally one of them turned around and said, listen, Jesus we know and Paul we know. I think that's the greatest thing I envy about the Apostle Paul. Not that he raised the dead. Not that he cast demons out. Everybody's casting. You go to some meetings, you have a headache, you've got a demon. If you sneeze, you've got about 50. You know the devil doesn't care a hill of beans how long we chase demons as long as we don't hit the devil. To me, that's praying. Not how long you pray. But sometimes we kind of think all we have to do is send a five-word telegram to heaven and all eternity will operate for us. Forget it, that's not true. It always startles me that the disciples never said to Jesus, Lord, teach us to preach. They heard the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest man that ever lived, the Sermon on the Mount, and yet not one of them ever said, Lord, teach me to preach. They never said, Lord, teach us to do miracles. They did say, Lord, teach us to pray. Prayer is not a position whether you kneel or face the east. Prayer is not a position, it's a disposition. That's why the Apostle Paul says that it is possible to get into that place where you pray without ceasing, where every moment of your life you're in an attitude of relationship to him, not for something you want, but that somehow God might come again and breathe. You see, the answer to America tonight is not in the White House, forget it. The answer to America is in God's house. You know, I'm so simple that I thought a year ago God was writing the last chapter of history as we know it. And I don't think that anymore. I don't believe he is writing the last chapter. I believe he's writing the last page. And it says, the Lord whom ye seek. Well, let's wait a minute. Are we, are we seeking the Lord? Now, when I say that, I'm not thinking about Bethany Fellowship. I'm thinking of the Church of God generally. Are we seeking, is the Church seeking the Lord tonight? Or is she seeking success? Is she seeking miracles? Is she seeking prosperity? What are we seeking? The scripture says, the Lord whom ye seek shall what? Shall suddenly come to his temple. 
<laughs> don't go out and say like people say, well, I made up my mind I'm going to pray four hours a day after this. Why don't you make your mind up you're running the Olympics tomorrow? You have as much chance. You don't change overnight. We approximate to it. We, we, we get our muscles stronger and stronger in the place of prayer. You get to the place where you'd rather sweat, you'd rather weep in his presence than laugh in anybody else's presence. You'd rather God whisper a speaking into your heart that breaks you. Somebody give you the prizes of all the world. Lord, we ask that you would continue to teach us to pray. You would continue to lead us into this great privilege we have of being with you, God Almighty. You'd continue to help us to break through our carnality into the Spirit. I pray for special moments, Father, as you start breaking through into your hearts. Special testimonies of special moments with you in our midst, Lord. I thank you for this evening. I thank you for what you have birthed in our hearts. You who have begun this good work in us, you are able, Father, to... Help us to continue in it and grow in it and bring it to completion. We ask for this in your name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Stefani, for your impartation and teaching. And thank you, everyone, for being here. I hope you were blessed and encouraged to be closer to God. Um, have a wonderful evening. Please have the rest of the fed cooker. Um, and I will not see you on Sunday. I will be gone for a while, but you'll see each other here again on Sunday. Be blessed. <laughs>